What's going on, everybody? How's everybody doing? Welcome to another episode of Thirsty Smurfin' Thursday. Dun, 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 dun. Um, hope everybody's doing good. Thank you so much for tuning in. I did the turkey for Dubai. That's all I'm going to say. I, I had to I had to sneak it in somewhere, even though it wasn't very fitting. You know what? Sometimes you got to throw in a turkey. Um, I hope everybody caught uh, Burn and Return last week. I got to say, Burn and Return last week was a lot of fun. These last few weeks have been a lot of fun. They've been actually very informative, very helpful. The amount of feedback I've been getting from guys in the industry has been uh, has been incredibly positive. And I just want to thank everybody for the support with that. We have we have a lot of fun doing it, and you know we we invest a lot of time into that to make sure that the information we're presenting is 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 uh, uh, applicable to uh, the, the the lawn care guys out there. And um, you know, so I, I apologize to the homeowners and the DIY uh, DIY things uh, DIY guys because it's not necessarily catered to you. But uh, you know, by so happenstance, it does get passed down. Uh, so if you don't know what we're talking about, um, uh, it's our podcast that we call Burn and Return. You can find it on any of your favorite podcast apps, Spotify, uh, Apple Music, Apple Podcasts, or whatever it's called. Google Podcasts, it's on all of them. Check it out. Give it a listen. You know, Throw your headphones in while you're at work and uh, enjoy it. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a good time. Now, we're going to kick the show off because we have, number one, our guest tonight is a pro applicator, and that's always exciting for me. Um, like I've said before in the past, like when we had, <laughs> when we had Ben Sims on, I was, I called it, I called it a fraternity and you know what? It, it feels like it, right? Because when we were all cutting our teeth in this, for the most part, it was all, it was all kind of a, um, a guy thing anyway. Right. It was a, you know, it just, what a lot of locker room talk. And that's why if you look at the two co-hosts we have on, we've got Mr. Brian DeBay and Mr. Ray Ito. I think anybody who has any kind of education in, in uh, agricultural turf grass science went to school with a Ryan DeMay and went to school with a Ray Edo. And I'm just going to leave <laughs> that. I don't even know what that means. You do. You know exactly what that means. But we can speculate about it, or we can, we can continue on here. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being on with me tonight. I truly appreciate it. Damn glad to be here, Matt. Um, if anybody's wondering, I'm coming for you from a uh, undisclosed location, my hotel room. Got some business He's to in attend Michigan. to tomorrow. I'm in Michigan. All right. Mm-hmm. Got some business to attend to tomorrow. I'm in enemy territory right now. It feels weird, but I'm going to get through this. All right. He's in the I Marriott at 3347. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Hey, listen, if you're, not careful, if you're not careful, I'm going to get a knock at the door for some DoorDash and people thinking I'm deaf. All right, you know what that feels like. Now, Ray, how are things in Hawaii? Well, uh, kicking butt. What else can I say? Kicking butt. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love yeah. it. And yeah, that is good. And 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 by the way, uh, this morning I was taking care of. Get this one. A you know landscape weed control job that. Did not involve glyphosate. Uh, Has to do that. Is that possible? 
Mm, but this is a uh, one of those uh, I call it he- heaven help us uh, type of a deals because this was a sulfentrazone, Shergard, and Dyquat kind Ooh, of a thing. <laughs> Well, Ray Ray also just had a visit from the FedEx man, and uh, there were no uh, just wait. I'm before I say anything on air, uh, Jesse Bousquet, uh Can I can I put you on retainer? Uh, <laughs> and then we'll we'll talk we'll talk about that on air, gentlemen. We have an extra special guest tonight. We have Turfology, sir. Welcome to Thirsty Thursday. How we doing, guys? Thanks welcome. For me. Mm-hmm. Listen, I know there's one thing. Or there's one thing I know. Let me phrase it that way. I was I was speaking backwards, but you follow me where I'm going with this. I know, I know, I have experienced how thirsty you get on Thursday. <laughs> what? Mm, one time. That's right. Man, that's I knew that right. Was be the first thing that came up. Oh listen, yeah. Listen. So we just had our first baby. That was my first time out of the house and like on my own Congratulations. since she was born. And, uh, you know, s- starting to drink McAllen at two in the afternoon kind of gets you in trouble by, uh, you know, 10, 11 o'clock. So, there, hey, hey, there was no like trouble. I used to. There was no trouble that night. Everybody had fun. And for those of you that don't mm-hmm. know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about the live Thirsty Thursday we did in uh, at the Goodwood Brewery in Louisville, Kentucky. And if you missed it, I apologize, but it was a great time. And uh and we got to hang we got to do a pre-show together uh in downtown Louisville at uh on Fifth Street. You know, that was we we ran into each other on accident over there. And we got it was funny. I walked in and he was clearly drinking, and I had told myself when I walked in, I was like, I'm gonna wait till tonight. I'm not gonna have a drink. And my wife goes to the bar and she comes back with one of these truly alternatives but it's a it's a 2 by 4 it's a giant 24 ounce can and it it was like mm-hmm. frosty cold i was mm-hmm. like boys i need one of those like it's not a question of me wanting one i need that and i was so hungover because the night before obviously was when i experienced complete and total debauchery and i was like i'm going to go get one of those giant cans of feel better and so I mm-hmm. did. I did go get one, and that kick-started our adventure from there to Goodwood Brewery to Taj and beyond <laughs> in the memories of a lifetime. How about that? <laughs> yeah, Matt, that was an excellent night because I believe that was the night where we decided let's leave Taj at a civilized hour and let's do something special. And that's, uh, that turned out to be an excellent thing because as it turned out, that was the one night where we were all in bed at a civilized hour or more civilized hour than some others. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna and say, that was still, a, wasn't. that was, that, that was a good Not time. Long. That was a good time. And, you know how you say that you don't trust non-drinkers? Uh, yes. Okay. There are some caveats Matt, to that. That's not a blanket thing. I, you know, that's not a blanket. That have that's not a blanket. Drinking problems or religious exemptions, you, no problem. You get a pass. However, however, uh, 
what I can tell you is uh, I'm not I'm not a daily alcoholic. I do make exceptions for very special occasions. <laughs> Other than that, <laughs> yeah, you know, because anybody that can drink 113 proof stuff or 140 proof stuff and not cough, you know, they know what they're doing. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You know, you know, they, they know what the hell they're doing. <laughs> oh, there's no doubt about it. Um, all right, dude, talk to us about your business. Give us, give us the jump start. right? Talk to us about how, how you got into the industry. What prompted you to go into business for yourself? And how did you get to where you are now with Turfology? Kind of kind of break it down for us. Okay. Yeah, so it's uh, it's just a business partner and I, Tanner. Um, he's supposed to be here tonight, but he's a little uh, under the weather. Um, so it's our first year. Um, kind of getting into how we got into it. I started working for a hardscape landscape company. Uh, I was out in the field, kind of worked my way up into a foreman. Uh, hurt my back real bad. And then they kind of threw me into the office on the sales part of the lawn care side. Um, at that point, I mean, hell, I didn't even know <laughs> what aeration was or fertilizer or anything. I didn't have a clue. Um, but just kind of taught myself watching YouTube videos, reading up, um, went and got our licenses and had a chance to take over the company. Um, he was going to go, you know, focus on the owner of the old company that I worked for. He uh, wanted to put his focus back on the hardscape side. So we kind of came to a mutual agreement that it would be best if I just kind of bought him out and took over that side. And here we are. So successful first year. Um, and that's about the story. So Pretty good story. I, like I mean, that's it is the American dream right there. You know, that's came from nothing. Pretty land, land bricks. And now this guy, turf applicator, pro applicator. So the I've part, done the part of the country. I've done a little bit of uh, of hardscaping. I'm definitely not an expert at it at all, and I I want to I want to make that extremely clear. What I, I guess give me give me a rundown on the scopes of projects that y'all do. Were y'all like giant, you know, uh, pool installs and all that shit? Giant. Um, I'm talking like like three, four, five hundred thousand dollar jobs. Um, all these just giant elaborate outdoor living spaces, outdoor kitchens with the pergolas, the pool, waterfalls. I mean, the whole nine, like whatever you can dream up, like we used to put it in. It was wild. Meow. Meow. Listen, <laughs> some of the stuff that, that people pay for just blows my mind. Yeah. I'm speaking from my own pocketbook here, which is, it's, it's so light. It's, it has negative weight. It has anti-gravity. Okay. <laughs> but I, what I, what I want to know, what I want to know is like if you're if you're signing up for one of these projects, do you go to the bank and get a loan for that, or are you just chilling on three, four, five hundred thousand in cash? Some of those people did. Some of those people would write a check like in full, like no problem, three hundred k. Like here you go. Like just let me know when it's done. So <laughs> and they just hand it to you like it's no big deal. Oh, you did a great job. Here's here's your check for three hundred thirty three thousand dollars. Those are my clients. Yeah, it's, it was nuts. <laughs> my clients are like sixty five dollars, sixty five dollars. I can't believe you. You this is robbery, you asshole. Or, or they invite you into you know pay you and give you a little just the tip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, one yeah. Time. You, it was one time. Oh, you want one you time. want a check for sixty five dollars? I got a favor from you, asshole. 
Watch this. <laughs> that's some that's some inside baseball right there. Should I tell the we'll, story we'll on get here? Some, have I told it on air? We'll, I don't know if you have. Go ahead. I think the statue. I think you have to, you, you have told it on air. Uh, you have told people on you air told it on burn about and return. burn and return. Yeah, you told us about why being called lawn boy just triggers you to no end and i i get it because matt i uh, I actually had a similar a similar experience oh you opened the door and someone was naked no oh i had to i had to judo flip an ex-navy guy oh lord have mercy because all right, uh, here we go. Let's just let's just say that my limit is when this person starts like uh, putting his hand toward me in a certain way. At that point, no, that's it. You ain't shake. You're not. You're not putting your hand out to shake my hand. You're you're putting your hand out to do something else, and that's not happening. <laughs> No, thank you. <laughs> I'm only going to come in on the left side right now and just give a playback. The man extends <laughs> his hand towards Ray. Ray puts his hand under the man's armpit and Judo tosses him into the yard. <laughs> he plays his foot against Navy Man's thumb. <laughs> Ray releases when Man taps his hand. <laughs> Okay, we're back in both channels. I I am in a yeah. weird mood, gentlemen. I apologize. <laughs> so all we're all all we're saying here is, you know, hopefully you don't have any bad collection stories like that to share with us next year when you come on the show. No, you yeah, it, I, it's a rite of passage, and 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 yes, something strange will happen. You'll you'll get Sheila that says, "Oh, when you cut, I need you here before ten in the morning because." My husband's shift ends at 12, so if you could get here before 10, then just go ahead and get it the yard done or the backyard or the bushes <laughs> before then. <laughs> you know, I have margaritas waiting on you. All right, ma'am, <laughs> it's 9 in the morning. I'm not sure I need a margarita waiting for me. Oh, you got yeah. Okay. It happens. It happens. Am I, am I the only one that that this crazy stuff happened? Listen, when I and now I'll no, say this: no, dude answering the because, door naked was at Fairway Lawns. But I feel like well, this is probably because we just had more techs on the road. But when I worked at True Green, the number of crazy stories that came in at the end of the day, like it was almost a, it, it, it did not, it would not seem real to anybody else if everybody wasn't talking about it, right? Like for instance, when the guy you know, stole the truck while old boy was spraying in a backyard. And when the guy drove off with the truck, he's got his hose around his shoulder, which you're not supposed to do, but everybody sprays with their hose around their shoulder. And so when guy started to drive off, you know, it yanked him around and ripped the hose off. And so he's got herbicide mixture at 160 PSI shooting while Whoever stole the truck is driving down the road, you know, like oh, sending out the bat signal that this is a stolen truck, right? 
and, it, and of course it, it gets caught you know but anyway i guess i guess it's really, you know the true grand experience we're really we're really trying to talk him out of you know, continuing to be in business <laughs> so, no. <all> <laughs> it keeps it interesting let's let's be real here it's yeah it, it, I could use some it keeps it super in a while so yeah yeah you got a yeah. new kid at home, you know. You gotta, you gotta get out there and flex your wings a little. <laughs> All right, where All where right, are so you located? Where where are you operating out of? So we are in a town called Edwardsville. Uh, it's in Illinois, kind of right next to St. Louis. We we can see the arch from you know our backyard. Are you a St. Louis native, born and raised? No, so I'm up uh, from a little little tiny farm town um, up by Chicago called Piper City. Um, I think there were about uh, 400 people there. My graduating oh, class wow. in high school, I think, had had 17 kids in it. So, um, not uh, mm. not big at all. No, not big at all. Uh, that's yeah, that's the middle of a cornfield. Yeah. <laughs> like all right, so y'all got started. I guess talk to me about some successes you had this year, and talk to me about some hiccups you had this year. I don't want to say say failures because. Uh, it's difficult to learn from failures. Hiccups are easy to learn from and adjust. So we're calling them hiccups today. Yeah. So I think I, I think one of our biggest. <laughs> so color wise, this year we were great. Um, we had a little bit of issues with crabgrass kind of later in the season. So we decided to go out with one full load of prodiamine, um, and we didn't follow up with any dimension. Uh, we were just kind of trying to trying to flex a little bit on everybody. Um, color wise, it worked. Uh, great. I mean, we blew everybody out of the water with the color. Um, but then, you know, come summertime, our crabgrass, we were, we were burning through some quinclorac, uh, quite a bit. So that was, that was one of our big ones. And then, uh, but I mean, overall it was a pretty good season. You know, we've, we had our game plans together and everything followed through weather cooperated with us. So it was, uh, it was good. Good first year. So did you apply, uh, prodiamine in a, as a granular? Yeah, so our FERT program is 100% granular, um, and okay. then we are liquid liquid on the weed control. So I've got a like the Xmark Lean to Steer um, ride on spreader sprayer, um, and then Tanner uh, he has a like the the Toro version of a Z spray, I guess, like the the Junior 36. Oh yeah 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 okay uh, that's yeah right. I forgot yeah. Toro bought Z spray. So. Yep. Yeah. So, okay, and it's so, great. I mean, you, the, machi- the machines are great. So you did a you did a one app full rate application. Um, all right. So I'm I can remember a little bit of the research. Demay, you may fill me in. You may remember was a one app granular a little bit lower in. Uh, I think you're on mute, Demay. Was it a little bit lower in efficacy than? split app or full rate liquid yeah it wasn't statistically significant but there was a difference there at least on the trials that uh i'm trying to remember even where that's from i'll dig it up it's on my bookmarks at home but uh yeah so you know that's the thing too coming into this year you know salient topic right now ray is are you going to be able mm-hmm. to get for diamine on fruit this coming year and if you can't then what's your pivot is it going to be you know, dithiopyr or dimension on fur? Is it going to be, you know, a sprayable product? Have you given any thought to that? Have you checked with your suppliers yet on where where things are looking in terms of uh, their yeah. ability to you know, furnish you guys' product? 
Because, yeah, so we, uh, by the way, uh, I got to also alert you to the need to get even your non-fertilizer combo products lined up and in order. I'm talking about stuff like your prodiamine and your insecticides because that's kind of like where I'm at now where I'm trying to line up things like prodiamine, WDG, uh, imidacloprid, wettable powder, whatever the staples are to you know my operations. So because what's happening coming out of the chemical manufacturer of the world is not looking necessarily that good. Yeah, we, we kind of prepped for that. So my whole, uh, we're, we're working out of my garage, right? Um, that's pretty much our warehouse mm-hmm. and, and storage and all that good stuff. Um, but we took early mm-hmm. delivery. We're trying to take, take as big advantage as we can of, you know, all the EOPs that everybody's offering. Um, so we took delivery of our prodiamine. Um, we've got our dimension on order. Um, we've got enough stuff for our round fours. Um, we're just waiting on kind of trying to figure out what we're going to do with our round three, which is like a mix between our grub control. But uh, with the army, we're sure that we had <laughs> this year. We're kind of trying to figure out what we want to do with that, whether we're going to run a celeprin or we're going to do, you know, we're, we're, I'm getting ahead of myself. But yeah, we have everything on order and it's stored in my garage. right? Now. So we're Man, I'm just okay. getting excited. I'm just getting excited. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk round three, uh, because uh, you know, I feel like round three is the most controversial application in cool season grasses. Right. Because uh, depending on where you are and what your growth probability is. Right. You sometimes you want to back off your end rates. Uh, other times you're still chooching full steam and, you know, you can you can lay it home. So you're in a difficult spot because. Uh, you know, I assume this is, this is one of those things I hear a lot of uh, Midwestern areas needing to be preventative with grub controls. Right. Um, yes. And and that's that's foreign to me, because as you move south of Kentucky into Tennessee, if you didn't apply grub control, you know, you're going to out of out of a thousand yards, you're going to have 10 that that show signs of, of grub damage. Right. Next to nothing. And so then, you know, you could be a little more lax with, you know, you, you upsell it or whatever. You know what I mean? You just you, you don't let it dictate the, the course of your program. However, up there, when you're facing that kind of uh, pressure, it's a different kind of ball game. Now, before you start really diving into this, I want to say this. And, you know, this is what we talked about when we were in Louisville. Because you had army worms this year, is it necessary to pivot the entirety of your program towards army worm prevention? Is it a one and done? Is a, is it a once in 20 year experience? Is it a one in 100 year experience? Is it necessary to hedge against it at all times? Right. And I think this is a great debate. I told you that from my perspective, I probably would not plan on having army worm pressure every year. Um, but that's not to take away from the fact that I think a celebrant as a grub prevention product would be the superior product, but it comes down to, does it fit your budget? Right. I'm curious to hear Demay yours and Ryan's take on this round three coming out of the arguably the worst year of army worms ever experienced in Midwest and North 
Is this something you adjust your program for to make sure you never have to deal with army worm invasions ever again? You're asking me? You're asking me? I'm asking both of you. That's, I, uh, Domain, so, do I look like I'm laughing? Listen, I'll come in your <laughs> I'll come in your I'm going to wig out. Hey, Jay listen. Pink. He, he, you know, he's going to get paranoid about this. Right. <laughs> I'm at I'm at the Ramada room two fourteen and I've got the heart shaped hot tub heating up for you right now. A bottle of the cheapest champagne I could find at CVS sitting there chilling. Right? <laughs> My man. Uh, all right. So the um all right, so let's talk about Round three, grub control, and when, when is round three growing up for you down there in the St. Louis area? So Roundabout. it's kind of temperature dependent, um, but usually like late May, early June, somewhere around there. Late May, early June. Okay. Okay. So here's, this is an easy answer then. So a couple of things. Um, first, let's talk about price, right? So imidacloprid, which is going to have supply issues this year, no, no question about it. Ray's right that trying to find it on FERT might be tough and trying to find it in liquid form, especially post-patent. The cheap stuff is going to be uh, potentially problematic. Rough. So the, yeah, yeah, the, it, it the earlier rough, you can <laughs> buy it. So this is this is not just for you know you, but everybody else that's going to listen to this now and you know for the foreseeable future and towards uh, next spring would be the sooner you can get that if that's what your product choice is going to be, the better. Um, obviously, it's going to be the lowest price point. It's going to be you know anywhere from eight to sixteen bucks you know, an acre, something like that. All right. So a celeprin, you mentioned a celeprin. Um, if you're going to do that uh, as a liquid, I'm not sure what the early order price is uh, for next year. I want to say it's going to be like 142, 145, something like that, an acre, right? At the rate that you need to go to prevent both, um, to prevent both grubs and armyworms. Okay. The timing is a little suspect. If you're in that June time frame. You're going to miss some of that grub activity. The thing with uh, celeprin, and I'll let Ray speak to this, is that it's it's extremely insoluble, right? And the reason that you have to put it out so soon is because it needs a long time, right, to solubilize and then get up into the plant. So not a bad choice, though. The diamides are, uh, that's the class of insecticide that that's in. Fantastic choice. It's going to be lights out on grubs, and it's going to do okay on armyworms uh, as a preventative. It's going to do better than okay, probably, but... This new product that's out, and this is why uh, what I would be looking at if you can spray it, and it only comes in a sprayable form right now. It's a product from Bear called Tetrino, P-E-T-R-I-N-O, and Tetrino is also in that diamide class, right? And the things that are attractive about it is that number one, it's got better activity on uh, cutworms as a preventative and a curative, really. Uh, than what a celebrant has. So even though it's in the same class, it does a little bit better on those. Still does really, really good on grubs, uh, just the same. Uh, and so it also has a little bit of activity on chinch bugs, more so than what a celebrant has, which is super low. Petrino is just a touch higher. So you'd still have to use some contacts, right? Some pyrethroids if you're going to get into the chinch bugs and if that's a problem on some of your lawns to deal with, but just something to consider. Now, price point wise, here is where you're at is that um, for preventative on these you're going to be uh 100 bucks an acre to spray 
with Tetrino at the full rate, which is 16 fluid ounces to the acre, I believe. No, that's 32 fluid ounces to the acre. 16 is the, the lower rate. So it's 50 bucks an acre at the 16 ounce rate. It's 100 bucks an acre at the 32 ounce rate. And the nice thing about it is that even though it's a diamide, even though it's the same class as what a celeprin is, it's actually a little bit more soluble. So the timing lines up better with if you're really comfortable with that, um, you know, late May, early June timing that you would normally do metacloprid during, it's the same exact timing, even though it's in that diamide class. So I think guys are going to switch to this mat because of a few things. One, why wouldn't you hedge? You know, number one, two, it's a great upsell. I mean, it's so easy to pull your phone out and be like, remember when this happened to your lawn? Guess what? It's not <laughs> going to, it's going to cost you, it's going to cost you this much, but you don't want to see that ever again, do you? Neither do I. Here's how it's going to cost. Easiest upsell you'll ever sell. Guarantee it. Number one, that's number one. Number two is the cost, right? You know, so we're somewhere in the neighborhood of 40% less than what Celeprin's going for right now. Uh, I think that's another, obviously, a good thing for any applicator, right? We want to use the lowest price product that we can. It's got the most efficacy. And then last thing is, um, you know, you're picking up a few extra things. You're getting a little bit better on armyworms. Uh, you're getting a little tiny bit of activity on chinch bugs, if that's a concern for you, but you're still going to have to use your contacts there again. Uh, so it's a better all-around herbicide for the money. So that's that would be what I would look at doing. I wouldn't be afraid to spray it, especially for the price. And like I said, I don't think you're going to find an easier upsell. But Ray, what are you hearing about Tetrino? What are your thoughts on the diamides versus the neonics? Okay, what I'm hearing about the uh, anthernilic diamides, uh, other than in Hawaii, is they're becoming the favorite product because they are a lot less intrusive as far as bees are concerned, number one. Number two is their greatly improved spectrum of control regarding things like armyworm, chinch bug, and cutworm. However, uh, speaking to Ryan's point, they are less soluble in the soil matrix versus, say, imidacloprid or my favorite, clothianidin. So the deal with these is that they are better put out early. However, here's where it also doesn't matter as much. They are active and effective on insects at extremely low rates. So that little bit of material that solubilizes and moves down into the root zone, that's enough to go night-night on the grubs. In fact, uh, if I'm not mistaken, both Tetrino and Aceliprin are labeled for curative control of both grub and armyworm. Because all it takes is a little bit of material out there. And in actual practice, ideal situation is if you spray one of those and then it gets watered in soon after that's ideal situation whereas the issue with neonicotinoids especially imidacloprid is imidacloprid is actually not very uv stable ryan so in other Mm -hmm. words if you don't get 
your Merit 75 WP application sprayed and then watered in within, I want to say, 24 hours, you just threw your money away because the sunlight starts to rapidly break down that application as soon as you put it out. So that's a case of if I want to do Merit 75 WP, I'm flipping on irrigation as I'm applying it. I don't wait. Ray, can you talk real quick and explain uh, to everyone the mode of action with the diabides and how it opens up that pathway for calcium ions to dissociate? Why it's safe for humans? Okay. The thing about these newer insecticides like... uh, Chlorantronilopril, which is a celeprin, and tetranilopril, which is tetrino, is that they act by dissociating calcium ions in the insect's exoskeleton. And last time I checked, I don't have an exoskeleton. Uh, Ryan doesn't have an exoskeleton. Birds don't have an exoskeleton. Fish don't have an exoskeleton. Matt, wasn't there a guy in your fraternity that that called his penis the exoskeleton? Yeah, I I thought you were talking about my scalp, to be honest. I call it the exoskeleton. (laughs) But but the fact of the matter is is that these newer insecticides, they act by dissociating and dissolving the calcium in the exoskeletons of insects so say a grub hits a, a minute amount of a celeprin uh in two to three days that poor grub is a pile of goo same thing happens to an army worm that happens to eat grass that was previously treated with a celeprin or tetrino is that poor caterpillar is going to be a pile of goo approximately 48 hours after it last ate that grass. And, you know, speaking to the low solubility of Mm -hmm. these products, that is both a benefit and a detriment environmentally because the reason why those products are not looked kindly upon here in Hawaii, for example, is... Here's a strike against the product, environmental persistence. So anything with a long soil half-life gets red flagged as a water pollutant automatically. Let me me throw this out as a potential curveball. Maybe, maybe not, but it's a talking Mm -hmm. point at least. Um, I'm looking at his average precipitation, 40 inches a year. That's a that's mm-hmm. a that's a fair amount of rain in a year. Does that buy a little bit added insurance, uh, especially considering his peak rain season is going to be from May through August? Um, does that buy a little insurance on a relatively insoluble compound that may be a little bit slower to come on? Uh, you know, you see you see what I'm saying? There? You smell what I'm stepping in? Yeah, 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 uh, Matt. In a high rainfall area, 
I would pr- actually prefer something like a celeprin over the more soluble diamides, specifically because they're less likely to move. I would probably okay. prefer something like a celeprin. Okay, what 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 about with imidacloprid? So you know the big caveat with imidacloprid is is you know how how quickly can you get it watered in, right? But how... then here's the here's the flip side. Here's the flip, Matt, to answer your question before you ask it. <laughs> I've seen imidacloprid get flushed out and end up in the shit can if it rains too much. Yeah, well, yeah because same. I I. I've done jobs where I've given shrubs and trees shots of imidacloprid into the root system. And I get a call back from the customer saying, I thought this application was supposed to hold me for a year. I got uh, mealybugs and scale insects on the trees and shrubs again. What's up? And then I go back to how a month or two late after I, I made the application, I had one of my epic Hawaii rainstorms of, you know, 10 inches of water in 48 hours. There went my merit. Aloha. <laughs> now, uh, you know, and this is, I think, a compounding uh, issue here, at least that, that makes the decision process more complex, are indeed the economics of it, especially this early into business, right? Because you can take a more budget-friendly approach uh, with imidacloprid with the understanding that you're going to have some breakthrough. And in the event mm-hmm. you do have breakthrough, what is your cost on that? Versus what is your cost if you go with a superior product where you're not going to have as much breakthrough, but it's going to be more painful to the wallet, right? So really, whichever way you go, there's a pain point. It's you know, trying to quantify what that pain point is. Is one going to be a better ROI or the other? You know, because what if it's a, a season where, you know, your your pain point is is and you have two yards that get infested with grubs, you got to seed those, they're good. You know, it, it it moves along. You're out, you're out a bag and a half a seed, whatever, you know, 100, 150 bucks, two hundred bucks or whatever, plus plus time. Or you know, you run something like a celebrant over the course of your round, it's going to cost you, you know, four or 5,000 more dollars. Um, you know, is it worth it to preserve the two lawns? But here's the thing. What if you have a bad season and it's not two lawns that fail with a midacloprid and it's 20 or it's 30, right? Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden, you're having to see 20 or 30 yards for of guarantee or whatever it is you have out there. And, uh, you know, versus, you know, spending that four or $5,000 on the front end on a celebrant, you know, now you're having to spend seven, $8,000 on seed on the back end, right? Plus an additional week and a half of, of production you're having to dedicate to it. So it's, it, it, in my opinion, it's, it's a very, very complex uh, piece of business strategy you have to employ there. And I don't think there's really a right or wrong or answer. It's just, you know, having a strategy and a game plan for if, what you are working to do doesn't work out as planned. Right. Um, Matt, that, that, those are, those are some, that's complex economics there. Okay. I, I so need what, to add another economic factor to this. If I may. Yeah. As a new guy on the block, because I was there as a new guy on the block 
back in 2007. And what my big anxiety point was, was whatever applications I sell, promote, or whatever, they had better freaking work and totally work. No excuses, no explanations, because otherwise I would become known as the town asshole for, for all the wrong reasons because... I'm selling people something that doesn't work. And even if I were to cover the cost of repairing the damage, for example, that still sows seeds of doubt in people's minds. They're thinking, this guy gave me a treatment program for the lawn and it didn't work. So why am I paying the money? What what were you gonna say, Michael? Well, I was I was gonna ask about like the the residual activity on on like the Tetrino and you know the acceleron. So now we're not we're not gonna run like a granular like mixed with furt of acceleron. Like number one, you can't mm-hmm. afford it this year because hell, it's like forty dollars a bag right now. Um, mm-hmm. The the first issue I see is we're running low volume. Um, less than a half of a gallon per thousand square feet, um, which, if I remember correctly, you need about a gallon for a celebrant for it to be effective. Am I am I wrong or not? I've pushed it. I've sprayed it at okay. a gallon per thousand. Okay, no, no problems here. Here's my thought on it: provided you're using something like a celebrant or Tetrino. No biggie because I know that egg crops, for example, get sprayed with corrigin. And you know you guys know what corrigin is? Corrigin is egg labeled chlorantranilipril. So they they go out at like 10, 15 gallon of finished spray per acre. It kills the army worm and whatever else just as dead at that spray volume. But provided you can tell me that after you put down that application, I don't care what volume it's at, provided you can tell me that it rains within the next week or two, I have no, I have no issues or concerns. Because okay. that makes me feel better. The fact, the fact is, is that Again, environmental stability on something like acelaprin is superior versus imidacloprid. My problem with imidacloprid is if it gets a week worth of sun without being watered in, it's almost gone. If your sprayed application of acelaprin gets a week worth of sun, before it rains, that just means that it's going to delay a week longer before it starts going to work. It's not a, not a crisis, not an issue. It's, it's no big deal. It, so, you know, if you're looking at insect controls, to me, on several st- viewpoints, I feel that a is your better 
value for money overall for many reasons. I mean, if I if I were faced with a combination of grubs and army worm later in the summer, my June application would definitely involve a celebrant. No question. How is that still going to be? <laughs> is that still going to be active? Like, so we didn't really see a whole lot of army worm pressure until like end of August, early September. Um, here's the here's the caveat. Here's the caveat. Okay, so a cell. This is. I mean, this is a super nuanced topic, and it's it's. And if there's anything like that we say that doesn't make sense, please stop us and say. You need to shut the fuck up and let us. <laughs> no. Um, no, but seriously. So, um, okay. So here's here's the rub. Hey, the rub real the quick, thing. Demay. Uh, shout out, shout out to Sean Smith. Okay. <laughs> Are you shouting out the shout out? Yeah. Crypto mines. All right <laughs> now. Uh, so okay, where was it? Okay, uh, yeah, okay. The um celebrant thing. So you can go later, like you can go in that June time frame, but you're gonna lose uh some efficacy on grubs because you're too late, in fact. It's not that you're too early, you're too right. late, but you're gonna pick up uh better efficacy on um your celebrant app. I will share a picture here. I'll t- I'll show you this. Real quick, um, while we're talking here, though, so uh, on the Tetrino, that is why, like, this is going to be an interesting product. And I'm not showing for them. I'm just saying, like, everything sort of lines up from a lawn care and a round three perspective to this product because of the price point and because of the timing of it, because it's much more forgiving in the sense that you put it down in that typical imidacloprid window of, again, like, you know, maybe Mother's Day at the soonest you know, uh, maybe July 1st at the very latest. And in your case, probably like Father's Day, um, you get it down in that window and you're hitting both grub activity perfect and you're hitting army worm activity perfectly, right? The other thing to consider here too on the more expensive products, and this is like the untalked about thing, especially on insect control, is your callbacks should be damn near zero, zero, right? Unless there's some kind of misapplication or something like that. There's no dialogues going out. There's not you paying for something out of your pocket to go back and fix something that you could have easily made in one app while you were already there to do something else and knocked it right out of the park. Okay. So can you quantify that? Yeah, you sure you can. And you know, when you're, um, you know, a smaller, smaller outfit, you're just getting started. Like those are the things that kill you, right? You know, a callback is not just worth your time and your effort. You're taking something away. It's like, it's duplicitous, right? It's doubled the, the amount that you're putting out because that's one app that you're not doing plus you're paying for the app that you're doing out of your own pocket so those are things to think about when you're looking at these products and considering so i would look strongly at the tetrino stuff i talk to the bear guys and uh, and see where you're at because again from the price point i know uh a celeprin is a fine product i've used it for years have, have zero issues with it um i will share with you bear with me so uh this picture is from a Tetrina, or it's not Tetrina, but excuse me, on a Celeprin treatment um, that we did on a property that was, uh, we went right up to this edge. Why can I not get it? I'll get it here in a minute. Well, while we're talking about it, I'll just give you a little bit of context while we throw it up. Uh, treated early, so treated like, eh, 
mid to late April, which is a timing that I feel confident for grubs on uh, Celeprin. Now, not knowing that the army worm invasion of, you know, our entire lifetime was about to come through <laughs> and you'll, you'll see what happened around Labor Day weekend where it, the, the Celeprin just wasn't there to pick it up. Like we were screwed. So I'll show you this, the treated versus untreated, but I don't know. I mean, gentlemen, you have any more thoughts on that in terms of, I guess, you know, Michael, from your perspective, tactically, like you're probably not going to change the timing too much. Where, what is your ability? Do you think to sell your customer base and say, listen, we got rocked with army worms this last year. I don't want this to be a problem in your future. Therefore the program is going up X number of dollars to make sure that that is not a problem. It is lights out. It's foolproof. And I mean, you guarantee it. You can put your guarantee behind it. And I think you'll even get, I, I know, um, oh, Ray, help me out here. Um, I think they'll give you, I think if you buy early order or you buy Syngenta, uh, a Celeprin, they'll give you extra Celeprin if you have breakthrough on something like that. Yeah. Or if you have and grubs, they'll I, give you Meridian. They'll give you Meridian. Yeah. They'll give you Meridian. And I know uh, Air, Air covers their preventatives where if you have a problem, uh, you can get dialogues from Bayer to cover it. But then speaking to that, even if it's covered cost-wise, what to me is priceless is the goodwill gained by applications that just totally work. And in thinking about this question that we're all asking are army worms going to become a recurrent problem and you know what my thought is maybe it will maybe and the reason why i say maybe is because we are entering a phase in our weather or climate where parts of the u.s that are normally not as warm and wet in the summer are getting that way. Conversely, uh, it's not all roses and uh, Remy Martin for me either because balmy Hawaii is becoming cold and windy. So I don't call it global warming. I hate that phrase. I call it a cyclical climate change where it's going to be like this for a while and then it's going to flip the opposite way around. So we, we've, we've kicked around the idea and we're, we're kind of trying to go at this in, in two different directions for, and I don't want to you know beat the army worm topic to death tonight, but um, so in order for us to get the grubs and make sure, because th those are an issue here, always have been. Mm -hmm. uh, we have thought about just, you know, everybody gets it. No matter what program you have with us, um, you get grub control no matter what. No, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Um, so we thought no about adding out. in like a, right, there, it's not. Um, mm -hmm. Because I just don't want that, that issue. Um, but for the, for the Army Worm stuff later on, we thought about giving that as like a, a standalone application and going out with the Celeprin, you know, sometime around early July, mid July, that way we're sure if we're going to have an issue with this, which again is, we don't know. Um, but mainly for the people's yards who just got absolutely ravaged last year. Like I, I don't see why they wouldn't do it as a preventative. Um, 
So it kind of goes both ways because I don't want our program to be so crazy expensive that everybody's just like, well, I can't afford that. So forget about you. So there's a lot, a lot going into our thought process. Okay. All right. Curative, more idea on that. curative application. Curative application for just armyworm and cutworm using a celeprin. I believe the use rate is as low as, I think, four or six ounces. It's not four. 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 Yeah. Okay. For me, so or to me, that is a relatively cheap application. That's, that's cheap. Uh, the only thing that's cheaper is uh, what we talked about uh, at Guy Fieri's in, uh, in Louisville that didn't work, and that would be off-patent by Fintrin. I mean, I, I, just, I just don't want to even entertain that uh, because I've seen, and in fact, I have a resident population of pyrethroid-resistant armyworm and sod webworm right here. I got them. <laughs> so, I would say I would say that that the you know the concern there on being foolproof is if you offer that as bifenthrin as a pyrethroid, you do run the the risk that they are resistant. That you have resistant populations and then you don't get them and all that kind of stuff. It's super cheap to do, but it's also short lived. So if you have a second generation or third generation, you're also kicking yourself in the pants too because you're going to have to go out and make multiple applications. That's where guys. Not necessarily lost their ass this year, but got so far behind on finishing round four, starting round five, that like they just they were smoked. So um, the other thing to consider there again, Tetrino, you're going to be seventy-ish bucks an acre on the four ounce rate uh, for Celeprin, and you're going to be fifty bucks an acre on the uh, sixteen ounce rate for Tetrino, which you can go out at that same time. You can go out at that Labor Day timing throw it in there with your round fives to get started with and it's going to take you all the way through the end of the season so okay again at that rate at that timing uh, there's a bunch of different ways to sell it i think it's the couple things i would think about is this is like if you know that you had areas that you had high populations this past year routes or something like that or neighborhoods towns whatever uh the, the you know the smallest that you can drill it down to that makes sense within your business model, then do that and then go after those customers first and see who can convert. Those are going to be the customers that have the most pain, right? It's going to be tangible for them. It's not like, oh, hey, I saw a news story about that and it was really bad. It's going to be like, no, my lawn was completely fucked and I don't want that to happen <laughs> again. You can put that yep. in the marketing and copy too. It'll really, it'll really sell it. Completely fucked with a big no sign around it. Yeah, and I mean, a lot, a lot of that fescue did not come back um at all like yards were just dead and i i heard that you know they they don't eat the crown or whatever it may be but uh, they didn't touch yeah no mm -hmm. our we we got mm -hmm. steered in the wrong direction when all this stuff kicked off because we we had been told that yeah just go out with some cross check a little bit of bifenthrin you're like you'll be you'll be fine and that was not <laughs> the case like at at all because we'd never <laughs> seen them i mean that was new to us so we're like yeah sure sounds good no. Yeah, J-Pink, no, throw no, that no. photo up real quick. Throw it up, J-Pink. No, not and that one. J-Pink. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Yeah. All right, so this was a different that... photo. <sighs> mm -hmm. I did not have I did not have the one I thought I did. This is uh, late 
late sprayed. So uh, for us here, that would be like uh, Memorial Day ish, a celebrant. Mm-hmm. A little mm-hmm. bit later than I would like, but untreated on the top of the hill there, treated down below. So absolutely wonderful activity on army worms. And we had some, mm-hmm. and I, I can't find the I can't find the pictures of the early stuff where we sprayed it, but it it got just completely demolished. Even though we had a celebrant on there, but it was too early, you know. So we were probably mid-April on something like that before Easter even. So again, the timing plays a critical role here. So you know the. In summary, on this topic, at least for me, it would be my first look would be if you're going to spray it, I would use Tetrino because of the price point, because of um, where it fits in on your schedule, your existing schedule already in terms of workflow. And then lastly, that it's going to do a good job on both grubs and army worms at the time that you put it out. The second, the fallback position would be the half rate, the 16 fluid ounce rate of Tetrino going out at you know, at the beginning of round five, or if it's a separate application, whatever the, wherever it fits for you at 50 bucks an acre and you sell that. So, you know, you have a complete, you know, a total insect control program. I won't even call it a grub control program. I would call it total insect control and list army worms on there and list grubs and list, you know, chinch bugs. Cause you can throw in a couple of, you know, pyrethroid apps in there if you need to pick those up. But the other one would be straight up. Hey, this is our army worm control. If you just are worried about army worms, we have this price point for you too. So, you know, I know it's tough to split it up or whatever and do it like that sometimes. Uh, but I would start with one, and then if you have to fall back to somebody, you know, try it like that. What's your all thoughts? I like it. I, I, I love, love it. That. I, Matt's going to sign up for my that, that program. Was- that was good. I will. Uh, what if, what if we can find a way to like infect my turf grass with, you know, like some, like that, what is that? The NPV, um, that virus that kills caterpillars, nuclear polyhedrosis <laughs> virus. Can we do that? Can we like infect my turf grass with that everywhere and just wipe out the whole population? That, you know what's the, you know what the problem? You know what the problem is cat- with the, that NPV is that that NPV is not particularly environmentally persistent uh, because you know what? We need to get the fellas at Wuhan working on this. Oh, God. <laughs> oh yeah. Careful, I mean, Ray. Need some careful Ray. <laughs> You're, hey, listen, he's on the list. He's on the list. He's on the list. Yeah. Everybody's touchy <laughs> after, after Peter McCullough on, on Rogan you know yeah yeah but then (laughs) because here's the thing is that the other thing about these so-called biological controls is that what if i told you that insects can even develop resistance to the biological controls because do you know what a big issue is with the vegetable growing uh you know industry Bacillus thuringiensis resistant caterpillars. That's a big issue. And the emergent issue is all of the seed companies also engineered corn, cotton, and soybean containing that Bacillus thuringiensis trait. And so that trait is 
also starting to falter and not work as well. And I don't know what would have to happen because what is happening then is it's a, a game of brinkmanship where the manufacturers are having to come up with even more toxic mutations of BT in order to stay ahead of the game as far as the insect pests are concerned. So I'd kind of be careful or mindful of thinking that something biological is guaranteed. I mean, uh, because in nature, no matter what, I always think that Mother Nature finds a way to, to assure survival. I think I, f- I feel like we've we've given a significant number of options for round three here and in <laughs> some programmatic approaches. Let's move on to round four because this in this is arguably another tricky application, right? So, you know, we're talking St. Louis area. We're we're getting hot, right? So our average high temperatures as we start moving into July and August are are ninety ninety one degrees, our average highs. Um, our, our average, uh, precipitation is still relatively high here too. Right. So, you know, for roughly four, four and a half inches a month of rain over these, these couple of, uh, couple of months here. So it's hot, uh, a, a lot of potential for rainfall. Um, this is, this is, this is tricky. This is tricky because even in the event, right. So. Uh, we're, we're, we're talking about choosing the right kind of product right here because you know I think everybody would agree that we still need a little bit of in during this time frame. I know our growth probability is going to have have reduced pretty significantly. It's wanting to check out. Um, you know everything out of NC State says you know we still want a little bit of in right. You know some quarter pound something like that. How are we going to deliver that? Are we going to do it in a purely soluble source? Are we are we going to do it through slow release mechanisms? Are we you know, are we thinking methylene urea with high potential for mineralization rates or it's something organic in lieu of, of methylene urea to try and save some bones and also run into high mineralization potential? What what are we looking like if we've got to cover six to eight weeks in this what I would consider a death period? So so we ran uh, uh mix it up with some biosolids, uh, 1537, about a quarter pound of nitrogen, um, worked out really well for us, uh, held color for quite a while because we were a little late getting started on our round five because of the army worm issue. Um, so, I mean, we got, we got about eight weeks of color out of that, that 1537. Not, not a bad choice. And that's probably a very affordable fertilizer too. Um, this year may be a little bit tough. Um, you know, availability of biosolids is kind of up in the air right now. Um, if, okay, so we've got that option there. Gentlemen, if you had to pivot away from biosolids as being your dominant, uh, slow, slow release in source there, because that's chances are high likely that we may run into that this year, you have to go with a conventional fertilizer to give you that sustained release. What are you looking for? Are you doing a duration 45? Are you doing an XCU? Are you doing a duration 90, a polyon? What's it, what's it look like? 
a methylene urea all day dog you know oh there he goes hey it's not gonna be cheap but it's it's gonna get you through it's gonna do what it's supposed to do and it's gonna be it's gonna be good it's gonna be good uh brian how do you feel Mm -hmm. about that combination mesuria and ammonium sulfate called mesa how do you feel about that product hot sauce fine Fine choice Mm-hmm. I would because I, I would I've, love to get him into that. Yeah, because I I've heard good things about Mesa based uh, microgranules, for example. Uh, my mm-hmm. only pain point on that is what that stuff costs to me. Oh yeah, that's my it's only not pain. Cheap. And, well, and you know the other thing here too. Um, let's just say that uh, Mesa is probably. I don't know, Matt. What do you think? Probably thirty-two bucks a bag on its own, just N, something like that. Okay, let's just call it thirty-two bucks. So Mm -hmm. that's going to go down. That's the other thing too that gets a little bit tricky is uh, even with your prill size. Trying to hit. Let's see what that would be here. Yeah, try. So it comes. All right. So we're talking about Mesa, which is a Lebanon product. Um, I believe. Why don't you educate him on that? Thirty zero zero. Yeah. I think, uh, I th- and I'm trying to think who may distribute it in his area. I think you can get it through Site One, if I recall. Uh, maybe, maybe not. I, th- I think so. We our round one is uh, Lebanon, so oh, and we okay. we're 99% Site One. So there you go. Um, so, and and basically, what they do during the manufacturing process, they are granulating uh, ammonium sulfate with methylene urea as as like the, the the binder of sorts right so you're holding the granule together with uh with methylene urea so that way as the methylene urea which is uh i would mostly insoluble as that granule begins to break apart and slowly dissolve you're also releasing little bits of ammonium sulfate as a, as a quick release in source while you've got the methylene urea that's breaking down over a, a longer, slower period of time, right? So um, very interesting uh, type of product to go for, right? Because you're, you're getting that uh, kind of an immediate color response and that everybody knows and equates to ammonium sulfate. And then you, you've got that duration from the product as well because of the methylene urea. Um, the difficult part in this scenario would be, uh, you know, use rate, right? So say you're applying it at, you know, one to two pounds per thousand. If you're not buying a micropril, that can be difficult to spread, right? Uh, because most of our spreaders are, are, you know, it's difficult to get down to one, one pound, right? Two pounds in some instances, yeah, you can get it down, no problem, as long as it's pretty uniformly sized. Um, now, as a bit of an option is that I know... Uh, Lebanon has some some cheaper blends, right? Where it's not a hundred percent Mesa. A hundred percent Mesa would be a hundred percent of the prills of that bag may, are made of that methylene urea ammonium sulfate homogenous prill. Now they have like a twenty five oh five that uh, has a little bit of straight urea in it, the Mesa in it, and a little bit of potash in it. Are you you know if you're getting that down at two pounds per thousand, now you're at a half pound in. Um, you know, roughly 50% of that is going to be quick. Is that, is, you know, are you okay with that? Are you, if you, if you have a, a, uh, a quarter pound of in release all at one time, are you going to be okay? Chances are, yeah, you're going to be okay. 
Um, but just something to keep in mind. I don't think they do any lower analysis analyses than the. Um, do they do any lower analyses than the twenty five oh five? I think that's as low as they go. Uh, I I'm looking right now. I think they do have one that was lower or used to anyway. They have a twenty oh ten maybe. Here. I think they do. I think they do, and I'm going to. I know. I know. I feel it. They do have a nice website. They do have a nice website. I'm looking here real quick. There it is. There it is. I was waiting on the heartbeat. I feel it. I feel it. I feel it. Mesa. Again, that is in my chest. Ooh. So, uh, 29.010. Ooh, uh, that's got that in it. And they got some nice stuff here. Yeah, this is beautiful. 2502420412 a 20 they do make a 2010 make a is that is, is the 2010 a um is the expo in what 60% nasa and then expo okay okay so it does it does have nasa in it and expo is a is a slow release potassium source right so they polymer coat the potassium to make it slowly available too. So it's all of these products are going to be premium products. And, and, you know, when, when you're moving into that time of year, nitrogen management is going to be a very difficult thing uh, in general, right? Because you don't want too much nitrogen too fast because uh, you know, you're in a shitty time of year to be growing grass. Um, and then, so you can dump a lot of money into these, these, uh, um, uh, more effective nitrogen management tools Ooh. like Mesa or methylene urea. What'd you, what'd you unpack? Ooh, what did I unpack? Uh, uh, let me see here. It's pulling the label up. It is a new blend. It's got the new sticker. Right above oh what they're calling it. Their E E blend. Oh, come on. Open it. E what for you, everyone. This is, this is what you get for a Walmart laptop that you're going to take back tomorrow. You know, <laughs> uh, a mean so process. it's a it's a sixteen two three. Oh, it's screaming some, green. Sixty percent Mesa, fifty percent biosolid, which makes it no is, sense. It is it is screaming green. Okay, ah. that actually wouldn't be a bad product either to go out with at that time frame. Um. And and it's not to take away from what you're currently doing, right? I'm just throwing some alternatives out there in the event you can't get that product. Um, now, Lebanon's supply of biosolids, I have no idea where it comes from. A lot of places I feel like I have a pretty good idea of where they're getting it from. I have no idea where Lebanon's are coming from. Is it going to be, are they going to be flush with it this year? I don't know. Could be, could not be. Is Site 1 going to be flush with biosolids this year? Could be, could not be proposing some different options out here for you if you run into that kind of scenario but that product you ran i'm on board with it i think i think that's sufficient with what you're looking to do and it makes sense given the time of year seeding cool. do you seed all your properties so that is on like a we let the kind of customers decide if, if we think we need it we'll push it a little bit but you know, it's not necessary all the time. Good plan. Good plan. Good plan. I mean, very good plan. I, I don't know. I think there is something to be said about like that. 
honest or it's not even so much honesty of just like hey i'm gonna do what needs here for you like obviously the baseline program's got to be what it is but like you know some of these add-on services i do think that people i i know that they they do value being told hey like you're fine like you don't need i've seen guys out there you know people that are untrustworthy that are out there in ray like bluegrass lawns that are mowed at three inches that are you know thicker than a baby mama at the club on a friday night and they're just out there blowing seed through it it's like what are you doing like why you're not you're why? not doing you're not doing you're actually causing more harm than you are good right now but hey mm-hmm. send it bill it get that pay get paid right you know and and that's unfortunate so so talk to us about your seeding program that you and by the way, I forgot to ask this too, is uh, approximately how many accounts and or like how much square footage or acreage do you guys treat in total right now? So we are just under like the 200 account mark. Um, okay, cool. And acreage, acreage is kind of an anomaly for us because we have like a couple bigger properties. Like we've got a 10 acre HOA that we take care of. Um, but we're we're probably running pretty close to like I'd say three, four million square foot, somewhere around there. Okay. Could be eight boys. Could be a custom blend. You always do that. Uh, I don't even know how to go down that road. Um, so I, you, you t- talk to us about that, Ryan. In the event you wanted to go source your own seed, how do you how do you start that process? Oh, I've, I've never oh, done seed. That. I thought we were. I was talking about fertilizer, but yeah, seed. Oh, 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 yeah, seed yeah, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, I'm just saying if we get into that whole nitty-gritty of, you know, end sources and things like that. Seed, I mean, yeah, you could, I mean, you could private label a lot of stuff. I mean, you could make uh, your own private label stuff. That's uh, You know what I've, I've seen? Uh, I've seen this now, and I was actually talking with somebody who watches this show uh, a few weeks ago about this, about, like, uh, Something about naming a seed after like a city or like an area or a region, you know. So like if you said that Penn you State had mix. St. Louis, yeah, Penn State mix, St. Louis's best seed. Like there's something about the marketing of that and the anchoring of that that just oh my god, I gotta get some of St. Louis's best. I gotta have, you know, you got the Edwardsville mix? Are you shitting me? You got the Edwardsville mix? Oh yeah, right here. It's right there. You want some <laughs> of it too? Yep, I'll come over and do your lawn next. Like there's something about that, like that just catches and hooks people. So, you know, maybe, maybe do something like that, play around with it, but no, uh, custom blend seating. Everybody is now super weird about that because of cultivar availability and everything like that. So here's how you normally get talked out of it now is, Ooh, Hey, you know, I could do that for you this year, but I don't know if I can guarantee that you're going to be able to do the same thing next year. And maybe that's problematic and that scares some people away what you can say back to that you know the the it's weird that you're having to deal with sales rep objections as the consumer or the customer but that's the day and age we live in now so you'd be prepared to come back with them and say hey listen there's just like one or two cultivars that i really want to hang my hat on and the other two you know or three or whatever that are in here we can sort of you know play around with it doesn't really matter i just want these one or two in there so if you do go down that road just something to think about if you sounds what like I would a bad idea to be honest Ignore, ignore. I even brought it up because that that sounds like a terrible uh, idea. No, it's it, here's here's where it's not a bad idea. Is, um, you know, honestly, this is something I would do if I had the space and a shop 
I would definitely set up some small test plots of some different stuff. Even if it's just like commercially available mixes that you can get. So you can test one, you can use it in your marketing copy. Two, you can treat it and not treat it with your program and know what's working and what's not. And then conversely too, what seed works best. So when you're going out there to make a purchasing decision and get ready to buy, you know, hell, a, a truckload of seed, I don't know how much you're going to end up using, but you know which one you want to go with. It's not just oh, the sales and marketing pitch of, hey man, we're top 10 in the end taps. Well, like there's about 30 different categories you could be the top 10 in. That doesn't mean anything where, you know, let's look at the, you know, the nuances here of what you're trying to sell me. So all things said is that, you know, just like we talk about with products, you know, of having some yards, some customers that understand that, hey, listen, I'm going to test some new stuff out here, play around with a few things. Uh, I'm going to do some knockout to cover up stuff and not treat it just to see what it looks like. Do the same thing at your shop in a controlled environment. It's worth it. Uh, it's, you know, it's about as real world conditions as you can get if you can get them. And then you know what's working, you know what's not working. And that is power in your business. That knowledge is power. You know, it's not just guesswork anymore. It's not what the sales rep tells you, or it's not what makes you, you know, get you the warm and fuzzies inside when you go buy it. And then you have no idea if it works, right, Ray? That's right. That's totally right. It's, uh, you know, the knockout test plot or what I call the test strip, that is just valuable to me. That is just so valuable because you know what else I'm assessing when I do test strips, Ryan? Mm -hmm. I even assess for issues like, for example, phytotoxicity or negative effects on growth. I'm not just looking at efficacy against the labeled pests. I'm, I'm, I'm sure also Matt's looking at the most of most of his yard doing that in the last few years. The only pictures I get from Matt's yard is grass he's killed with something he's trying out in his yeah. yard. Hey man, <laughs> look at this. Can you believe how that died? Holy hell. I killed. <laughs> I, killed. I went out there, boys. I, I killed her good. I killed. <laughs> I killed a 10-foot strip right in my front yard, and it looks awesome. Died in 17 days <laughs> to the dirt. Yikes. You know, there's, there's, there's probably some small child that rides past with their parents every day. I'm like, Mommy, isn't that the guy that takes care of grass for a living? Yeah, sweetie. Some people are the good at their boy, job, and some people are some people are Matt Martin. The, the lawn boy <laughs> went off the deep end years ago. Oh, you know? oh yeah. That's, that's, when you get, that's when you say, oh, no, no, he didn't take care of lawns. He's just been crazy. You know, since about oh three oh four, Christian brothers, hi. That's right. That's right. What's up, brother Joel? How are you, sir? Um, <laughs> all right, moving on. Yeah. All right, and I, you know, my guess, and and you tell me if I'm wrong, and I, I, w- I want you to continue on with your questions here. Uh, but my guess is, it is you know, I always ask you know Ryan to to describe this right, but. The lawns are pretty easy, you know, from September through Memorial Day, through the end of May, right? But it's Memorial Day through Labor Day that makes or breaks the Furton Squirt Company. And so that that was why I wanted so hard to kind of hammer on, you know, round three and four that that fall into that time frame. But hopefully we've presented some some clear and present danger there. What what questions do you have? Um, I mean, I have, I have some here. So I had, I had one for Ray. This kind of came from Tanner, um, mm-hmm. asking about like mm-hmm. landscape beds, specifically pre-emergent, post-emergent. 
Um, we had, we, we don't do a lot of them. Okay. Um, but we started with Broadstar this year for the first time and it was mm-hmm. garbage. Like it didn't work. We were coming back with glyphosate over the top. Um, you know, we didn't throw any SureGuard or anything in with that when we, when we did it. So I just, I guess what's, what's going to be the best for, for that, you know, longest okay. control. Here's my, here's my longest control tank mix. If I need duration of control, I run a combination of spectacle and the highest label rate of SureGuard. And here's why. Spectacle is my go-to for grassy weeds, like, say, Johnson grass coming from seed, crab grass, goose grass. And I understand you're in a cool season area, so very important. Make sure that spectacle never leaves or runs out of that landscape bed because your fescue is going to hit your guts if that that spectacle runs. Next is, of course, SureGuard. And the reason why I like SureGuard is because that has the longest and widest spectrum regarding broadleaf weeds emerging from seed. And it's also a product that bears very few restrictions regarding how you apply it because there's a third one to this that I use, but that's also kind of on the EPA's naughty list right now, and that would be Ronstar. Yeah, right. I heard that. I heard that. But Ronstar is labeled for landscape beds. However, here's the conditions you must abide by. If you apply Ronstar to a landscape bed, you, the applicator, must either leave clear instructions regarding it being watered in immediately after you apply, or you must personally water in that application. but, you know, that would be my go-to regarding pre-emergent applications is I, I would use SureGuard. I would use Spectacle. And here's another one that I use. I also utilize Sulfentrazone. And here's why. In the ag world, Sulfentrazone is actually a pre-emergent against Nutsedge and broadleaf weeds. It's not just for rapid burn down of emerged nutsedge. In the ag world, it's definitely utilized as a pre-emergent in the crops. So you use Broadstar, and you're saying you had uh, bad luck with it. So we had I I a can, crazy amount of breakthrough with Broadstar. I think I can understand why. I can understand why. Because... Broadstar, for Broadstar. those playing along at home, is a variant of uh, SureGuard. It's the valent brand. Uh, it's Flumioxazin. Flumioxazin plus another another pre-emergent added to it, I believe. Because here's my, my little rant of the day. Uh, I know a lot of granular pre-emergents that are labeled for 
landscape and nursery use. And you know what I hate about these pre-emergents? They all use the dinitroaniline herbicide trifluralin. And trifluralin is a herbicide that is extremely volatile and non-stable in sunlight. So what so what happens is that if you don't immediately water in your pre-emergent application, the stuff just evaporates. And here's one more thing about applying pre-emergent. I find that I have extreme trouble getting a uniform and adequate application of a granular pre-emergent in a landscape bed versus me using a ceramic discore solid cone nozzle and just spraying around all of the landscape plants. Because, for example, I know something about using Broadstar. You must never let that granule touch your desired ornamental plants because it'll burn the fudge out of them. Because Broadstar is 0.25% flumioxazin. And flumioxazin is a fantastic contact herbicide. So in order to make that application safe, I use the liquid SureGuard and I just make a very careful directed spray application around the ornamentals in question. And I don't have an efficacy issue because same is true with in previous years. You, you remember Runstar G? Okay, oh, that, has oh, an, yeah. uh, that, that has an ornamental and landscape label too. But here's the problem with Runstar G. If Runstar G touches the leaf of a desirable ornamental, you can literally watch that burn a hole right through the leaf. Runstar is caustic. So to get around that, for the longest time, my jam was Runstar WSP. I love that product because I throw that one-pound water-soluble pack in my sprayer, and that's 5,000 square foot worth of pre-emergent right there. Ronstar okay. is a very is is very effective. Um, you, you know, I I don't know if you if you like applying it as a dry. I I, I think I think Ronstar would be the only way to get down flumioxazin. But of course, you know, you could do the Ronstar G. Um, I hate that about the flumioxazin in that in that type of scenario though, because I know a lot of people that had good success with it. So I wonder. I wonder if part of it has to do with that formulation using it on uh, on that dry uh, granule carrier. I don't know. I don't know. Just kind of yeah, an interesting, yeah. yeah because interesting thing there. I I never heard of issues with my pre-emergence uh, because I spray all mine, and even like my my beer guy, 
he pulled me on the side and he told me if I can handle spraying Ronstar rather than broadcasting it dry as a granule, that's a superior application in terms of efficacy of weed control. I, I think that the same happens with a granular pre, especially in the context of you got to try to get it spread out evenly over the soil surface, but at the same time, God help you if you broadcast it over the top of a desirable tree or shrub because the tree or shrub will hate you. I thought I you mean, just used, I, I just watched a video that used only 41% glyphosate to do that. Is that not correct? I've used, uh, I've used lower and higher concentrations of glyphosate with success, by the way. Um, but also, um, I have not had good success with freehand. I've used a lot of freehand before in the past. Was not impressed with it. You know, one of the big, you know, uh, at the time when it came out, the big selling point versus snapshot was that it, uh, it prevented yellow nutsedge, right? Um, and, I, you know, and this is going back to my, I, I, you know, I want to make this point, but I was very trusting of my dealers, right? And so when I heard it prevented nutsedge, I was thinking it prevented purple nutsedge, it prevented annual, it prevented yellow. You know, I just wasn't going to have to deal with nutsedge anymore. And it does not touch purple nutsedge at all. I'm going to say this, and I, and I want to say it very gingerly. Um, you saying something And gingerly? back to you talking about the experience you have with Crosscheck in particular. Uh, the... There is it, it's it's important as an applicator to get to the point where you no longer are sold a product, but you walk into the distributor and tell the distributor what you're going to buy without any influence over what their opinion is on what you buy. And because, because what, what happens is you get locked into that situation where you'll start to second guess it, right? Like, like, you know what? I want to go out with this. I've done my homework. I'm here. And they're like, well, look, I've also got this right here. It does the same thing. It's the exact same thing. It's like, uh, what, what was, what was somebody told me the other day, the, the, the replace, I mean, wasn't the other day. This is many, many months ago. It may have even been a year ago at this point, but they told me, Ray, what is the combination product of uh, Simazine, Amazequin, and Prodiamine? Uh, I, I can never remember the name of the herbicide. That, that's called the coastal herbicide. Coastal. Who, who, is screw, who is screwing around with that? Because if you know what you're doing with you. it, it's a, it's a good product. I'll, t- if, I'll tell you somebody who loves you, it when we get done with the show that sells it well, on his YouTube channel. Well, here, okay. here's how it was hawked to me was it replaces... It's a cheaper replacement to spectacle. And that was ah! the most asinine ah! sales pitch I had ever heard. And I had multiple people coming to me about it, about mm-hmm. it, it is it is a one-to-one replacement for spectacle. And it's not. It, it, not no. in the slightest. Not, not even, yeah. And, and you know so, why it's not? But before you say not, that, mm-hmm. before you say that, though, here's the thing. How many guys has that that sales rep or that counter guy told that to and been successful and got the sale? Probably hundreds. 
Yeah. Probably hundred. And, and it's not to take away coastal from a product. It, you know, if it were me, I I would one hundred percent roll different. my own if I felt the the need to to run that product. And I and I bring this up. And coastal doesn't apply to you, Michael. And I apologize for even going down this wormhole. But I I bring it up to just demonstrate that as as applicators, especially um, you know, getting getting started, it was explained to me that um, and and God love him, I love John Huber to the end of the earth and back. But he he described it as this is uh, uh you know it is it is a full contact sport, right? And <laughs> In him saying that, the, the the point is is that you can get tossed around in different directions that you didn't intend going based on you know what's what's being told to you, right? And uh, and so anyway, I I just bring that up to you know I, I I guess if if you can walk into your distributor with your plan in action, and you know maybe you can cross reference that biome. You know, see if there's anything silly that's that's hanging out there or whatever. But uh, you know, be be careful of what's put on you. And if something is put on you, don't make an immediate decision on it. You know, put it through its its vetting process before before you pull before you rewrap your game plan for what they suggest. Don't make that decision at the counter. I guess I have no idea why you that, even brought understood. that. Up. No, that that's that's well said because what a good position. To be in is when I walk into Nutrien or Simplot, for example, and I see the mild dread. Okay, if if I if I if I was a <laughs> I'd be like Ray, help yourself, including checking yourself out. I'm going to lunch. <laughs> 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 and Ray would go pick out, and he would very honestly go to the counter, ring up his order, pay for it, and leave. And uh, and and that that would be the end of it. And he would probably be happier than me standing over his shoulder and be like, "Come on now, right today we got bags of twenty seven oh two for thirty three ninety nine." Yeah, yeah, I, I I would be actually the guys they basically gave up on me. They gave up on me because I, I, I walk in, I say, hey, uh, actually, this was pre-COVID. Now it's, I email them my order and I say, you guys got this, 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 and this. Uh, you got it? Nope. Okay. Plan B, because speaking to what we keep on talking about on Burn and Return, I have all of these alternate plans lined up. In case I don't have my primary product in stock, and what I'm looking for is similar efficacy, similar MOA, if I can, and uh, knowing that and understanding that is real power when it comes time to order, because then you are not likely to get sold the shit that everybody else uses that also doesn't work. Okay. That that's my, that's my pet peeve is the stuff that doesn't work. And, but then everybody's doing it because like what we talked about on the pre-show regarding that pre-emergent that I was messing around with. The reason why I run Dyquat, Sulfentrazone and SureGuard 
as a directed spray around ornamentals is because it works. No questions asked. And I don't hear about weeds for the next six months at least. <laughs> what what other questions do you have? <laughs> um, well, I guess the only other one would be like what you guys, and I know Ray's going to have a come apart on this one, but uh, like low low volume. If we were to just say switch to an all liquid program, no, where would no. you feel comfortable with your nitrogen? Never? No? Nope. Not at no. low volume. Cool. No. That, Please that don't. Answers, yeah, that's that's what I thought. So, hell no. Um, yeah. Yeah. Why? What? What? what is, nope. Why though? What, what, I mean, what's the what's the thought behind? So mostly going to be like our our granular availability um, this year with our our mixed products. So we're already in in talks of like Knox is one of the big distributors over here, and they already shut down all the production for like their insecticide fertilizer combos and and whatnot. So. Um, we're just trying to, you know, plan ahead, I guess. Just worst case scenario, if we have to, I guess I'll just go buy another skid is what will have to happen. Well, and so Either. again, this is, this is what I would say to that is, yeah, not a good idea to go all liquid. So again, like we've talked about on burner return and as Ray was just alluding to is, you know, you are the chef in the kitchen, right? And you do not get to order your ingredients as you want them, Right. This is now like one of those like Gordon Ramsay cooking competitions where they're going to show, hey, you got these 10 ingredients and you got to make a good dish out of this. And it might be stuff you've never used before. You've got to you might have to tailor your program a little bit based on that. So I would just, you know, be having real serious talks with um, your suppliers and talk to competitors, too. Right. It's always good to know who else is out there and what else they have. And uh, yeah, see what they see what you can work with. And sometimes it might be, Hey, I'm looking for something like this. Do you, can you tell me what you have? Or, you know, I'm already having conversations with people in different parts of the country that it is, uh, just tell me what you have and we'll go from there. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that, that's what I would say is just be ready to adapt. Like Ray said, have a plan B the, the liquid thing. I don't know guys. I mean, at low volume, I mean, no. I mean, maybe, no, a tenth, no. maybe a tenth of a pound. Like, I mean, no, like, yes, no. You're talking this a, little. A, t- a tenth of a pound. Could, if well, if it's from straight for, be careful. Um, you know, a tenth no. of a pound for methylene urea, no problem. You can get that done, right? Um, here's my question: If you're trying to supply all the nitrogen needs, nitrogen needs. of cool, of cool season turf grass. You know, as a liquid, what do the rates look like as far as each liquid application? If you're trying to supply all the nitrogen requirements, uh, because be, I know it's you're different. Be 15 to 24 ounces per thousand. And so, you know, every, a, every three to every three to five weeks. I mean, it's, yeah, so that's going to be five to eight gallons per acre. So if you've got a 12 gallon tank that covers an acre and five to eight gallons of it is is nitrogen right then you know that's you know 50 percent concentration or more 60 70 percent concentration and you that, that, that's that everything. sounds that, that sounds a bit and bad might as well get a side cover exactly yeah. <laughs> or and so here's the other thing too just real quick the point i want to make is that also with a liquid only program trying to cover six to eight weeks is very difficult even if you're using methylene urea right because you're you're having to if you're, if you're trying to apply say a half pound in 
and you want it to last six weeks, um, you, you, you're going to be up there at, you know, 18, 21 ounces per thousand square feet with a, with a methylene urea. And that is the only way you're going to get that true six to eight weeks unless, I, you know, if UMAX in the appropriate settings could get you there in the appropriate settings, UFLEX probably not going to get you there, even if you've got uh, perfect conditions for it. Uh, but if you're having to contend also with a low volume scenario, Uflex and Umax are not going to provide you any protection from uh, salting out the plant, right? So it gets well, it gets kind of complicated yeah. if you're at a half pound to three quarters of a pound in, and you're trying to do it from a soluble source like a Uflex or a Umax. Even though you may be able to get the duration, your your application safety even at higher volumes now becomes a factor that you have to take into consideration. Here's okay. the only. Uh, uh, go ahead, go ahead, Ray. Go ahead, Ray. Okay. The the reason why I uh, ask, you know, how much in is actually needed is I could see in my mind utilizing an application of, say, 0.1 to 0.25 pounds of in for the rounds where the gross potential of the grass is at its lowest. I could see doing that because I'd be insane to suggest let's juice up cool season grass going into midsummer with a half to three quarters of a pound of N, you know, knowing what I know about its growth potential. On the other hand, I would want a lot more nitrogen going down in the fall versus in the, in the early summer, late spring. So, you know, that, that can be a factor, but then no matter what you do, once you start looking at applying N as a liquid, primarily, you are automatically looking at one is lean, and I like to see 2.5 to 5 gallons per thousand square foot if I'm going to be applying any significant amount of actual nutrients. Because by the way, the more caustic element as far as salting out the plants go is actually potassium. Potassium's even worse. Boys. Okay, so yeah. agronomically, <laughs> agronomically, if you were going to do something like this, this is the way I would do it. Now, I don't know if this is going to work out cost-wise because I think I've done for the numbers. I don't know that it works, but I would go, uh, like Ray said, I would start in the fall of the preceding year knowing that you were going to do this. So you're kind of already behind the ball, but you've done a good job and you get better than 50% of your N out in those last two rounds in the fall. I'd come back and I'd go like a duration 90 or a polyon or something like that, even a duration 120, throw that out in your round two. Maybe around three, and then go back in with just little bits of liquid to fill in the gaps. Yeah, I think you could you could you could make that work. There's a, there's a case to be made for doing something like that. And hundred percent, yeah. On your round three, yes. if you do it round two, if you run it round two, your round three, if you're now spraying Katrina or you're spraying Celeprint, it makes it a lot easier because now it's just glug 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 glug. Send it. 
I'm not saying that that'll ever happen. Like that's like worst case. I'd rather go buy a finance a spray truck and <laughs> send it that way than run fertilizer low volume. So I just didn't know if there was you know a way around it. So it's it's a, actually no, it's, a, it's a question. It's a question. I I I'd go I'd go the third way in that if I ever had oh. no third if I ever had to deal with lawns oversee a half acre or a quarter acre on a regular basis I'd no I'd be running full on boom sprayers capable of throwing down the volume okay I I would I would be literally Toro Multi Pro or FDI <laughs> system sprayers. Ray's gonna scare all the children <laughs> in the neighborhood. Here comes Michael with the sprayinator five thousand. <laughs> the, the children. Um, I, yeah, I joke with Tanner would... all the time. I tell him we're gonna buy a, a feel like a field crop sprayer and just open the booms up as you drive down the road and hit the whole yard in one swath and just be on to the next one. Hit the whole hit hit the whole neighborhood. Yeah, just open just one, unfold one the booms. Yeah, unfold the booms. Everybody's front yard done. Got it. <laughs> Got it. You know? I mean, yeah. And and you know what you can do with those field sprayers? Uh, please control yourself. But imagine running flood jet nozzles that are throwing down five gallons per minute a piece. Yeah, I think oh, yeah. I think the the the, <laughs> the best thing you can do this year is transition over to spraying as many of the pesticides as you possibly can, right? So not just post-emergent weed control, but being able to spray a cellar and being able to spray your pre-emergent, um, even out of your machines. And I, listen, thousands of acres I've sprayed out of a uh, pre-emergent out of a permagreen to, with zero problem. Spring applications, fall applications, prodiamine, dimension, spectacle you name it uh it just it never had an issue with it so um in the event of crunch time and availability you know you can go pick up your skids from knox and uh by the way knox is a great blender and they have their own uh slow release technology where they use a vinyl coating right what is uh what is their slow release called um uh i can't i'm done uh yeah that's that's a, a uh, when it done is the is the duration. Nah. Okay. Uh oh surf coat. Surf coat. Oh, surf, surf coat is the one from um That's uh, not nice. nice. Is it? Yeah. Hey, what I have what I lead you astray. What I lead you astray. Oh, I'm thinking of XRT. XRT is what is what I was oh, trying to think. Oh, not, that's not the, XCU, that's, XRT. Um, when you said surf coat, I was thinking of uh, pure coat, which is from did DuPont do pure coat? Who did pure coat? I feel like I it was that. a paint company that did pure coat. Can can anybody PPG with pure coat PPG? Uh, pure coat. While you're doing that, I'm gonna ask I'm gonna ask Michael a couple questions here real quick. So okay, so you know it's you, you and your partner. And like, what's the goal? What's the goal to scale? Is, is it just going to be a two man show forever? Or 
how much do you think you guys can handle like square footage wise until it gets to be like oh my god i can't handle this just curious so we business we've kicked that around uh quite a bit that's been a really big topic so far this winter is kind of where we want to go um you know do we want to stay like kind of how we're doing and high in clients and not really run the volume um because I, I don't know what the i mean you guys have talked about it before like you can't do both you can't have the high end and you can can't do the volume at the same time it just doesn't make sense um mm-hmm. but i mean i don't know we're gonna we're gonna keep it to where him and i are maxed out and i mean you got to think we've got a, all our office work that we still have to do phone calls and i mean all the bullshit that comes along with all this um so right. I, th- I think that we could probably comfortably get up to about 400 people before we need to start looking into a technician um, is, is where I think. That's cool. That's cool. I mean, hopefully you guys get there sooner than later. And I mean, it's always, it's always fun to be on that ride and that rocket and get there and you're like, oh man, okay, we've conquered the mountain. It's not too long usually before you're like, well, what's next? You know? So that could be the, 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 the pitfall, right? Is not as, it's okay to be, you know, a three man, a two man band or a three man band. I think people get lost on, hey, we got to scale up and we got to get uh, bought out by some national company or something like that. And that's like, that's the exit strategy for everybody. So I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to see that you guys are thinking about it, you know, taking it seriously and all that. That's good. What other questions do you have for us? What other thoughts or, or anything? What have we covered? I don't have a lot more. I mean, that was, I didn't really come in with a, a too big of a game plan. I was kind of winging it. So, hey. Um, same, same. Yeah. <laughs> we literally sit down. Other, and oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, would, would be like kind of touch on some growth regulators because we haven't used any growth Ooh. regulators in our program at all. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Who's like using grass? When, well, a new. I I think I think a new is the safest play. It's your longest term play. He had the the greatest flexibility as far as when to start timing your applications. Um, yeah, that that would be the only thing I would even consider. But from a lawn care perspective, I'm not a gigantic fan of it, and that's my own personal opinion. Especially not on non irrigated tall fescue that you're playing kind of a risky game versus if you told me that you were in the world of real cut Kentucky bluegrass instead, then I'd be all over PGRs. I'd be all over PGRs, but then because you're dealing with a different kind of grass, the most I'd recommend is dabbling with a new in the spring to kind of you know mitigate and manage your your surge growth but just know that ideally once you get into that i guess june july august time frame you had better not be growth regulated for the sake of the grass yeah, I mean, we're not growing much at, better... at that point anyway. Exactly, exactly. I mean, you don't, you know, you don't have growth regulator in effect at the time of the year when your grass is at its lowest growth potential. 
because that just is playing with fire. And oh, I have a question for you. How bad is your brown patch and pisium? I was going to ask about a fungicide program if he has. Yeah, that, so that's, every time. that's that's my question. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. as as far as fungus goes, we have again. It's it's kind of at, at the client's discretion. I mean, if you've had issues with it in the past, like we're going to hit you with it, regardless of whether you pay me for it or not, because I'm not going to get kicked in the ass later on for having mm-hmm. something come wipe out yeah. your whole yard. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. we uh, yeah. again, this this whole whole point of of what Matt was saying about you know we're kind of walking into our distributor, be like, oh, dude, just use this like right now. So when we got into brown patch season. We started using some headway, um, which Ooh, was not wow. was not great, right? And that was before <laughs> you know, is no good, no good. <laughs> so that's that's kind of where we were at. I've been kicking around, um, like running some like potassium phosphite um, that worked out pretty well. Um, but then we got we didn't really have to worry about disease this year because army worms kind of took care of everything for us. So um, we didn't okay. have a big issue okay. because. What I'm going to tell you about, you know, brown patch and piscium is it's better to be ahead of it and applying preventatively versus applying curatively because to me, the difference between a preventative and a curative fungicide application is number one what the fungicide costs and number two when you're applying curative how you have to apply it okay that's that's the factor that i that i think about is when applying preventatively i could see for example applying something a little bit less costly at maybe a half a gallon per thousand square foot crisscross the passes and just spray that lawn versus if I'm applying curatively because I'm in trouble, I got a problem, two to five gallons per thousand square foot at high pressure. Okay. So, and, and also other factor too is once I get into the world of active disease and I'm seeing the lawn damaged right before my eyes. Then the cheap and easy stuff that the distributor knows about is gone out the window. For example, if you told me you had brown patch and dollar spot and leaf spot running wild, I would not tell you to throw headway G in the spreader. It would be something that costs a lot oh, more wait. per acre. <laughs> Did you say wait when you said headway? Wait, G or headway? G G headway headway G. G. He said headway. He headway. said headway G. That yeah. If you if you're gonna <laughs> do headway, roll your own. Um, yes. With yeah. with azoxian propiconazole, save the money, um, and you'll be much happier with your results. Okay, so two quick questions on this while we're talking about growth regulators, fungicides, all this stuff. Is predominantly, like, uh, are your lawns uh, Kentucky bluegrass? Are they tough fescue? Or are they sort of a full-season mix? Like, what, what breakdown of those 200 accounts 
would you say fall into those buckets? Mostly fescue, uh, a few zoysia here and there, um, Bermuda running rampant all over the damn place. Um, that's about that's about it. You, you come across your bluegrass occasionally, but we don't have too much. Okay, then. So here's what I would say then is we had uh, this we had this Thursday Thursday with Paul Paul's Prime Cuts a while ago. Gosh, we've done a lot of these things, fellas. That's going way back. And mm-hmm. the thing I told thing I told him relative to all these kind of three things combined is uh, number one, I would use uh, Primo's fine if a new a new's fine. They're both uh, late GA inhibitor. PGRs, they're both fine to use. Um, use that in the springtime to like what's it, race it, suppress your surge growth going through springtime, and then you got to back off. So, you know, Paul is in a little bit warmer climate than what you are, and he's starting to back off or you know, mid May. I think it'd be okay for mm-hmm. you to go up through about Memorial Day and then back off. And part of the reason is, is that you're going to get a little bit of that rebound effect. You know, so when the fungus, or excuse me, when the PGR wears off, it's going to create a surge in growth, right? And as long as you're not too succulent and too juiced up with water and humid air, or humid air and things like that, you got to be careful. But that would be the time that I get that first fungicide app out there, not with a granular fungicide. Uh, but you know, using it, it depends on the lawn. But I would say that um, rolling your own headway for now is fine. Uh, you just be careful with the BMI is at high rate. So I would not be above like say one fluid ounce on that, uh, on that propiconazole rate going into something. Okay. So all good questions, all good thoughts. I mean, definitely eh, growing grass in St. Louis ain't fun. I mean, <laughs> Southern Illinois and, and, and around there, I think, you know, we Eight had turf culture. Um, yeah. I was going to say turf culture was on and we told him, you know, going into it and, you know, I got several messages from him, and he did great this year. You know, that guy uh, really hung in there and did all the right things. There were some parts of it that got a little beat up, but that's life. That's life in St. Louis, and you're not going to be able to grow yeah. grass uh, exceedingly well without an, a, an ungodly budget and uh, a little bit of good luck with the weather. I mean, that's just the only two ways about it. So. You know, don't ever get down on yourself and, and maintain those expectations. I mean, there's probably a lot of lawns that you deal with that you realize that, listen, the best this is ever going to be is about a six and a half. I could do everything right, and all we're ever going to be is a six and a half out of ten. It's okay to tell people that. Yep. You know, I just, yep. I think a lot of times they have expectations of, oh, it's going to be, you know, this or that. It's like, bump the brakes here, and let's let's assess where you're at. You're at a three right now. Matt would tell you, mm-hmm. Matt, Matt probably had a great time saying, this is actually a negative one, and I'm going to take it up to <laughs> a 0.1 if you shut the fuck <laughs> up and pay me. He's always, he was very big on the hard sell, but to that point, I think there's opportunities there of just being honest with folks, and you know, again, the tough stuff that comes your way, uh, spring growth, the, fung- you know, the fungus, all that kind of stuff, like some of that you just have to let happen, and that's that's the way it rolls. So, Matt, you're going to say something. Go ahead. I was going to say, did you just call me the lawn boy? <laughs> What's that? No, I said gra- I, I said uh, grass janitor. Grass janitor. This motherfucker right here. Okay. <laughs> We're going to wind this up. 
Turfology, thank you for coming on. We wish you the best thank in you, the sir. upcoming season. Keep us posted with how everything goes. And always, of course, you know, feel free to reach out with any way that, that we can possibly help. Um, for everybody else playing along at home, we are going to keep the show going after the show. Uh, and if you're interested in that piece of content, I do want to throw a couple trigger warnings out there for people that get real <laughs> sensitive. Like uh, in the show, after the show, we talk uninhibited. Uh, so there will be bad words that are said. Uh, we have a lot of fun. So if you're not into having fun, it's probably not for you. Um, so if you don't like adult talk, you don't like fun and you don't enjoy our content, the show after the show is probably not for you. But if you do enjoy our content, you don't mind a couple locker room bad words being thrown around but we will not be grabbing anyone by the by the cha-cha and uh and and you do enjoy having fun check us out on the show after the show uh the best way to go about that is to head to patreon.com forward slash burn and return uh, or you can become a channel member here and uh and you'll get the link to be able to sign up at dirty deeds and so what's interesting about it is that we post a link for 10 minutes and 10 minutes alone and after that 10 minutes is up it's gone into the atmosphere into the ethos never to be seen again so you've got 10 minutes to tune in or you don't get to tune in at all mm, why you have speaking of tuning because in speaking of what because what we so mysterious oh, tell, oh, us, yeah. tell us about tuning in tell us about tuning in well no speaking of tuning in next week's a big show because listen we have the best producer in all of uh youtube that is no doubt seriously uh, so he is, he has, uh, <laughs> violated most of the court orders that are against him and gone all the way to the <laughs> North pole to get Santa mm-hmm. to come on our show next week. So if you check out the chat right here on YouTube, whoa, whoa, say, whoa, uh, whoa, 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 you skimmed over that way too fast. What? We what? need to double Santa. down. J pink has got fucking Santa Claus <laughs> coming on thirsty Thursday. And you can ask no. them questions. Yeah. Thirsty Thursday. Is it Thirsty Thursday or Burn and Return? It's Which one are we Thirsty doing? Thursday. Thirsty, It'll Thursday. Be Thursday. 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 On Thursday, Thursday, we've got fucking Santa Claus. Sorry for the bad words. Sorry, YouTube. <laughs> Coming on with the opportunity for people that are tuning in right now to ask Santa legit questions. If you're not interested in tuning in to Santa Claus, unsubscribe right now. Right now. <laughs> you can go to thegrassfactor.tv slash Santa and start submitting your questions right now. We'll get to them on air. All right, go ahead, Demay. I had to, I had to, with emphasis, I had to bang on the keyboard. <laughs> can you hear he's, me banging on the poet. keyboard? I, I can, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure that's the keyboard. All that testosterone you're taking, it could be something else down there. So, all right, <laughs> gentlemen, we'll see you on the after show. See ya. Thanks, guys.